Have you ever wondered what method or approach is best for a successful extension program? There's some evaluation work done on individual extension projects, but what do we know about the impact of using different extension approaches? Well, in this episode, we're going to go through a recent paper exploring this very topic. Last year, Ruth Nettle, Jason Major, Lydia Turner and Johanna Harris published a paper in the Animal Production Science Journal called Selecting Methods of Agricultural Extension to Support Diverse Adoption Pathways, a Review and Case Studies. Just the title was enough for us to be interested as we felt this would be really useful information as enablers of change. In the paper, the authors investigate the evidence of the effectiveness of different uh, methods of agricultural extension in facilitating change on farm. To do this, they defined methods of agricultural extension as interventions that are designed to support voluntary change. And they make the very valid point that considering different extension methods and their implementation is critical to the adoption process and a shared responsibility in the agricultural innovation system. There are nine methods investigated in the paper. They are facilitated groups or farmer-led groups or small group learning, technology development, training, information provision, consultancy or one-to-one, e-extension, co-innovation, best management practice frameworks, and social marketing. The authors undertook a structured literature review and meta-analysis. They narrowed it down to 96 articles to fully review and added two case studies of extension approaches in the Australian dairy industry. For each of the extension methods, the authors detail the form of adoption impacts attributed to that method and the critical success factors. For example, for facilitated groups or farmer-led groups, what's noted as the impact from the literature is increased financial returns, increased profitability, increased likelihood of adoption, change in attitudes towards practices, increased knowledge and skills, accelerated adoption, change in social acceptance of change, and increased farmer empowerment. Critical success factors for this extension method are encouraging a research culture that is participatory and relevant, involving multiple actors in exchanging knowledge, that's including friends and family, finding ways of communicating with farmers through informal networks, investing in trained facilitators, recruiting peer champions, trying to avoid prescribed approaches that reduce farmer autonomy, and realizing that some farmers just won't participate in group-based learning. Aside from the table summarizing the details just mentioned for each extension method, there are two other useful parts to the paper. The first is a framework for assessing the relative strength of extension methods, depending on the context for change on farm. This reflects that some extension methods will be better when there is less uncertainty and change is uncontested, as opposed to situations where there is complexity, uncertainty, or long timeframes for change. For example, when there is certainty, then training, information provision and access, one-on-one, e-extension, best management practices, and social marketing have a stronger impact. It's a really helpful framework for thinking through the most appropriate extension methods, the situation that we're in. The second useful part to the paper is an overview of different strategies that can be used to combine extension methods. 
These are stacking, linking, and networking. Stacking refers to combining multiple methods within a single project or intervention and can often be used to provide a learning journey for farmers. Linking is providing multiple extension methods that enable different points of access and ways to engage that suit the different ways farmers choose to engage with extension. Networking is where multiple extension methods are supported by a range of organizations. They are able to refer farmers to other resources or organizations to meet their needs effectively. This is a really helpful way of thinking about the design of extension programs and gives us some points on what has already been tried and worked. Well, it's a lot to go through, but we thought this paper was worth highlighting for you. The take-home message for me was reinforcing the idea that there are no silver bullets. When you look through the assessment of different extension methods and their impact, we can see what might be useful for us and maybe where we might have overlooked a potentially useful extension method. And I really liked the assessment of how different extension methods perform in different circumstances. It's a handy ready reckoner for thinking about what might work best when we're designing extension projects. Let's go back to our starting question. Is there a best method for doing extension? Well, from this paper, it depends on the context we're working in and choosing the most appropriate mix of approaches. It reminds me of Frank Van Clay's quote about extension, that the best method of extension is multiple methods. To read more, the really good news is that the paper is open access. We've put the link in the, to the paper in the show notes so you can download it and read it at your leisure. Well, you've heard our thoughts. Now we'd like to hear yours. Add a comment below the blog post and tell us about your experiences with choosing different extension methods. Have you found any other useful information um, in this space or do you have any tips or further ideas about it? We don't want this just to be a one-way conversation, so please join in by sharing your thoughts and ideas. Thanks, folks, for joining us on this Enablers of Change episode. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter if you'd like to know when new episodes are available. And hey, if you liked what you heard, please tell your friends so they too can join the conversation. All the best until we meet again. Bye.